Thanks for tuning into Marketing Major this week. Hope your reading week's going well. This episode's a little different. It went about 45 minutes, so we're going to split it in two, and we're going to call this part one. So hope you enjoy, and tune back in on Friday when we release part two. Hey everyone, it's Josh here, and you're listening to Marketing Major, a podcast created to help students get a more local, modern, and exciting take on the marketing world. Our next guest on the podcast here is Colin Christensen. He graduated from the BCom program in 2015 with a major in marketing. And he's also at FKA, which is where Angelina is from. Uh, I think we're going to call this one the FKA series because we've got three people coming from FKA. So Colin, is there anything for listeners who haven't heard of FKA that makes it like a sweet place to work? Um. Yeah, so it is, well, it is a sweet place to work, so we'll, we'll start <laughs> off with that. Um, Culture-wise, it's really fantastic. It's, it's just a really good group of people, really brilliant and fun and motivated, so which, which makes it a very engaging uh, culture. And it's, it's been a lot of fun, too, so I've been there for two years now. And even since I started, we've grown quite a bit right. in terms of the size of the staff and also the size of the clients and the business. And so it's just, it's a, it's a very dynamic and fast paced, but just really fun and rewarding culture. So it's a good place. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so then you started off in the digital media side. And then I'm kind of wondering, like with the point of our podcast, it's to help students catch up to that ever changing marketing world. Like you said, you guys have expanded quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm wondering, like, what was your experience going through marketing and, like, that transition from university to the workplace? Yeah. I mean, I, I had a really good time at the U of A, um, and I think I got a really great marketing education of it for sure and um, really invaluable. And, like, uh, the, the foundations of what I learned there at school, I, you know, you apply every day for right. sure. So it'll work. Um, but being able to kind of try and go from university to... The agency, the agency world like that, and especially when I started in my digital media role, um, where I was, I was quite junior and didn't really know a lot, being able to kind of just dive into that was just really, really invaluable. And so I sort of like to think that the year that I spent on the digital media team under Angelina was sort of like just an extension of my marketing education in right. a way. And yeah, so there's, but there's definitely, there was definitely a lot to learn going from, you know, the U of A to kind of being thrown into into digital media, just, just I mean, in terms of understanding the agency sort of model and kind of working in that environment to begin with. Um, but yeah, also kind of just getting a, a crash course in, in digital marketing, which, I mean, uh, the U of A may not touch on, you know, particularly deeply. And so to kind of be able to dive into that and get, get my hands, or get, wrap my brain around that, I should say. <laughs> Um, I was going to say get my hands in that dirty, <laughs> get my hands dirty was what I wanted to say. Yeah. Um, it's really applied to yeah. <laughs> uh, wrap my head around that, um, was, was, has been, yeah, really invaluable because, um, even now doing in my sort of communications role, I still use a lot of the skills that I learned, um, in digital media and sort of the, st- the strategy that I've, that I learned. Um, I use that every day. So, Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, like, what uh, what kind of crossovers there are between like the media and the communications department. Yeah, I mean, the the biggest one is for sure uh, is social media. So, right. if if anyone isn't hundred percent sure, what the digital media team does is 
they sort of plan, strategize, buy, and then optimize. Optimize meaning sort of make sure these campaigns that they've bought are running uh, most of, you know efficiently and effectively as they can. Um, but yeah, so one of the some of the channels that they buy these ads on are going to be on social media. So you know Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Snapchat, Instagram. I'm sure everyone has seen you know a, a sponsored post on Facebook or on Instagram or a promoted post on on Twitter or on LinkedIn. And so, but there is a lot of crossover now between sort of the paid side of social media and the organic side, organic meaning that it's, it's content that the, that the brands that the brands that we're working with are just posting from their own channels for free, the content that they're creating um, and pushing out to the audience, their followers and whatnot. And um, the, the divide between the paid side and the organic side has been just been really ever shrinking. So there's, there's, there's a ton of crossover now. There's, we certainly th- at times think of it differently, but also at times not. It just sort of depends on kind of the strategy and 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 kind of the results that we want to that we want to achieve with the clients. So, but yeah, there's 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 a ton of crossover for sure. Yeah, no, that so. makes sense because we had Angelina on here too, and she she kind of explained how like digital media is not you're like you're not going to be doing what you do, which is like producing the content and yeah. like writing stuff. It's more like the kind of strategy and like. Social media is just one of those outlets so you can kind of get get your ad out there. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I know Angela says, she said before that, uh, yeah, like a lot of people think that digital media is, is just social media, but it's yeah, it's so much more than that for sure. So, yeah, like I was saying, I think I think the like the the, the kind of main example that we've talked a lot about at work and that we sort of had to navigate is um, on Facebook, for example, the. Uh, the changes in the Facebook algorithm. So the you know the, the kind of the, the black box that Facebook has built that decides what you see on on your Facebook news feeds and you know who you see it from uh, and 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 where you see it. Right. Um, that algorithm they've you know in the past in the past year or so they've made changes that have emphasized content from friends and family for viewers. So which. Which, if, if you're a Facebook user, and you know the average Facebook user isn't probably isn't particularly interested in hearing from you know brands all the time, they're on Facebook because they want to you know see pictures from friends and family and statuses and right. updates for sure. Which that's the whole kind of point of the product, at least to get you on the platform. Um, so they yeah they they made changes that emphasize that content and sort of have taken have devalued. Um, posts from brands or brand pages or you know other pages that people have liked, and so what effectively Facebook has done is they've said you know we're gonna we're gonna get you know take away or make drastic changes to organic reach for you know brand pages, which means that you know less people are gonna see your organic content, right. and if, you know if you want people to continue to see your content, you're gonna have to pay for it. You know some people say. Um, at, at FKA, we, we, we really do believe that, you know, social is just all paid now pretty much in a way, you know, we, we think a lot of the times if you want to have an, or, you know, or, or an, an organic content strategy, there's, there's has to be sort of a, in parallel, a, a, a paid strategy behind that too. So, um, if, if, if that makes sense. No, so, yeah. so, so effectively yeah. what, what that means is that, you know, we're still creating organic content, but we're, um, we're going to be what's called, you know, promoting it or boosting it. So what that means is, let's say, for example, you, you have a brand and then, you know, they have a page and you, you know, let's say they have, 
it's say that you have, you have 5,000 followers or 5,000 people who have liked your page. If, if you post something, again, I'm just going to use Facebook as an example. If you post something on Facebook, not all 5,000 people are going to see that. In fact, maybe only, you know, if you're lucky, maybe 10% of people will see that. Maybe, you know, maybe maybe less actually. You know, they say, they say really large pages on Facebook, you know, communities that have a million plus followers, sometimes they only get about one, you know, they post something and only about one or 2% of people who actually follow that page will see it. Again, just kind of based upon the the algorithm rankings. And so for a lot of brands and a lot of communities or, you know, community managers, that's that's not really ideal. Um, and so what, what you do is to kind of signal boost your content is just like an ad, you put money behind it and, you know, there's targeting parameters. Um, and yeah, and then you just sort of amplify your content. So you're going to be pushing it out to your, your community, but also sort of more people as well. So originally in the past, there used to be a really clear divide, but it's, it's gotten quite murky now. So sort of the long, the, the <laughs> short answer to your question is yes, there's, there's a lot of um, yeah, overlap between digital media and, and organic content and communication. So yeah, yeah. sweet. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I guess jumping into your role, so I didn't, re- I didn't really say it, but your communications and content writer is your official title. Yeah, that's my official title, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so we have a question from one of our listeners. Uh, her name's Jen, and she writes in, um, what are the main types of content that have the largest results in your experience? It's a, it's a very good question, Jen. That is probably the question we get most. That's one of, probably one of the, the questions we get a lot from clients as well. And... Um, my answer is probably not going to be super satisfying because it's just going to be, it depends. <laughs> um, and the, so, sorry, the question was what, what pieces of content get have the, the largest results? Yeah, largest yeah. results. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to this question. I would say the, question, the, 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 the content that's going to get the largest results um, is going to be the content that provides the most value for your audience and it's going to be in the channels where your audience lives. So I, that's probably not super satisfying here, but, but what that means is that we talk a lot about the value of content and, and just what that means is, is does it help solve a problem or answer a question for someone or, or even is it just entertaining um, and, you know, entertaining in some capacity or intriguing or does, you know, does it help someone learn something that maybe they were, were, didn't know they wanted to know about? And so, you know, what, what is the value of the content for the audience that you want to be talking to? And, and where are you putting it and, you know, how, how are you getting it to people? So it's, and so for example, if, you know, if you're wanting to reach women between the ages of 18 to 25 and you're a, you're, you're a beauty brand, I mean, Instagram's probably going to be a pretty good, pretty good bet for you. Um, if you are maybe an insurance company and you're trying to reach people ages 35 to 55 for car insurance, um, you know, maybe Facebook's a better bet. You know, Facebook has a little more robust audience. You're gonna be, you're, you're, you're gonna see more. You know, there's, there's more of you know, 35, 55, you know, market there, audience there. So, right. yeah, I mean, it's 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 really just like any piece of advertising or any piece of you know that that really hasn't changed. Yeah, and it also depends too if if you're gonna you know put some money behind it or if if you have a if you have a paid strategy. So, yeah. That's uh, that's so unsatisfying. I wish I wish I could just give like I wish I could just say like oh yeah put it on like 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 put it on Instagram and pe- people will love it. But, right. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Especially because um, I guess we'll help answer that question too. And 
I ask Colin to send in some pieces of content that he finds that are really good. So uh, we'll kind of go over that too, and it'll kind of help. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I think that'll be, um, I think that should give some kind of, so yeah, some good insight into hopefully into, yeah, what what works for whom and, 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 and the brands too. And I mean, it, it depends on the brand as well. Like if, if your brand doesn't seem to fit on a certain channel or doesn't need to be, or, or you think, you know, like, do people would people care if the brand is there or not? Then that comes into play too. So, yeah. do you have any examples of that where like there's a brand that probably like shouldn't be on that platform? Hmm. Like, I this this is a weird. This is actually I kind of do. Yeah. So I got a promoted tweet. So effectively like an ad, an ad on Twitter. Right. Um, from from Boeing. <laughs> like, like this was like a month ago from like so like the like aerospace manufacturer Boeing um about like F-35 fighter jets and it was like <laughs> it was just very strange right. like so it was just so out of the blue and I was like why and it's just one of those cases where you just, you just like you've no idea why you're seeing something um even as someone who sort of works in advertising you're just like like why am I seeing an ad for a fighter jet I mean like <laughs> I, clearly the ad was developed to sort of like probably sway like public opinion and okay. in some capacity why they're targeting like me in canada i don't know but <laughs> you know if, if someone does know please let me know please let me know why <laughs> i was seeing this ad but I, I think that's sort of an example you know I, I think when social media sort of started to really to grow into what it is today you know maybe 10 years ago or so i think a lot of brands understandably were just sort of like we need to be on here without you know, no, I, no one really knew what, what they were going to become or sort of right. like the, the impact they would have. Uh, and so I think there may still be some sort of hangover effects from that. You know, some brands are just on certain channels that doesn't really make sense. Um, so, yeah, it's but yeah, we, we, we have discussions a lot at the agency where it's like, do we need to be on here or, or if, you know, it's like think think long and hard before you, you know, create a Snapchat account. Like, does right. you know what I mean for your brand? Like, does it? Does it need to exist on there? So, yeah. And I guess it's kind of like a tough line to draw too, because like some things that you think wouldn't work, like especially like I don't know, like ten years ago, you wouldn't have thought that like a Denny's would be on Twitter. Yeah, they'd be like, you know, that extremely, that yeah, extremely yeah. successful. Yeah, we're, we'll talk, we'll talk about that. But yeah, no, you're you're totally right too, and I think it all depends on. You know, do you need to be there? And and if you are going to be there, like, what are you going to do for people that makes it worth their time for you to be there, right? So yeah, well, yeah, I guess we can bring up that. So you, one of your uh, examples of good content was like the though. I'm thinking Wendy's. Like, I keep because when I think of Twitter, I think of Wendy's. But yeah, and so, yeah, Den Wendy's, Wendy's is another also, great example. Yeah, Denny's is also like uh, they have a pretty hilarious Twitter handle for anyone who's on Twitter right now. Uh, and yeah, I was just wondering if we could jump into that a bit and like what their strategy is and like how it's unique and different. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, if if, if no one has gone and checked out uh, Denny's Twitter account, I highly recommend it. Um, I think it's just like at Denny's Diner. Uh, yeah. So effectively, what they've done is they've created this persona, this brand persona. That's just really irreverent. It's subversive. It's it's a it's kind of absurdist and sort of just really strange. Um, just sort of like dark, kind of sometimes dark, ironic meta humor. That, but just that works really well for Twitter. If, if anyone like me has wasted way too much time on Twitter, it's it's can be sort of a weird place. And I think what they've done is they've really nailed 
uh, a voice and a a strategy for Twitter that just really works. And it's, it's in, in a way that you really wouldn't expect. Again, it's it's a, it's Denny's. They serve twenty four hour breakfast. Uh, <laughs> you know, they they serve drunk people when it, pancakes at two in the morning. <laughs> um, and so I, I I think I think I think honestly, in my opinion, I think for one, it's just it's it's sort of courageous of of, of Denny's right. to do that to yeah. sort of. Say you know what we're gonna we're gonna do this we're gonna we're gonna go all out on this um, and so yeah and so yeah so what they've it's like what the, and and they've done it in a way that seems like sort of counterintuitive too um, very few images you know we, on social media a lot of the times you know we say we want to get like, really good engagement it helps to have you know some sort of visual a video an image something like that it's an infographic you know very few images and if it are, if if there are images it's either just a you know a picture of pancakes or <laughs> or they've like weirdly photoshopped pancakes into some sort of scenario <laughs> um like we've seen but so yes and and they just sort of have nailed down a voice that's consistently weird and funny and that people really like and you know what they they don't talk about themselves a lot they don't it's not a lot of self promotion right. it's just sort of kind of weird there's some weird cultural commentary. Sometimes it's just really, just purely, just strange. But it's uh, it works for them, and they've got they have you know over they've close to half a million followers. If not, <laughs> I think I think it's around half a million, maybe a little less. Than yeah, actually, I don't have it up here yet. But. Yeah, but uh, they have quite a lot of followers. Yeah, they get great engagement, and it's it's worked for them. You know, people people take notice of their tweets. You know, you, like if they something really blows up, you'll see you know you'll see it on Facebook, you'll see it on Reddit. So it, it works for them. Yeah, and that's a good point too. Like a lot of companies too, just take the approach where you you try to find like you have a little bit of presence on like every social media. Like yeah, you know, like oh, I just gotta get on social media, gotta get on social media. But I think it's it's smarter, Danny's to go on like a specific outlet like Twitter. And I don't know if they have Instagram, but it wouldn't make as much sense because it's like the product they're putting out is just like a mix of pan, like it's just a pancake. <laughs> it's mix it's just like, just breakfast food. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, and, that, and that's a great point. I, yeah, and, and so with, yeah, they've done a really good job of having a really channel-specific strategy, which you know is something we talk a lot about too at the agency. Is that if you're just if you're just putting out the same content all the time and just across a whole bunch of channels, then yeah, it's 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 not going to be as effective. You know, we always try and think, you know, like where should this live and why? So and right. yeah, that's just a great example of that for sure. Oh, and then another, another example you sent to me too with. Uh like kind of taking advantage of that channel strategy. You said that Nike is the paragon of advertising and their social presence is no exception, but I'm kind of wondering, like, I'll, uh, I'll post the Instagram story that you sent to me so our listeners can see it, but I was kind of amazed at how much, like, detail and, like, effort actually went into, like, something like an Instagram story where it's going to be gone, like, the next day. Yeah, no, it's it's incredible. Like, if, yeah, if, if, if you guys, people watch this video... I think the one in particular, it's it's for they were, they were launching some uh, some new Flynet running shoes this year, and the yeah the the production quality, the production value that goes into this twenty four hour video <laughs> um, is you know incredible. And I mean, if they're they're Nike, right? So they, right. they they can do that, and they are you know the aver- the advertiser of advertisers for sure. But yeah, I, I, it just goes to show. Um, that, you know, just because something is really short-lived like that on social doesn't mean it's not going to be effective and doesn't mean, you know, it, that, that doesn't mean that it can't be high value. And, but, I mean, you, there's tons of examples, too, where, you know, you can have really low production value stuff that is just as good or just as effective. And I, 
I think it just kind of depends on 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 your strategy and, and who you are as a brand. But um, yeah, Nike does a great job of 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 just brand storytelling in general. And one of the things that's always impressed me is the way that these stories are built. Is that they are extensions of a larger campaign. And what one of the things that Nike is really great at is you know they they'll have a, an idea, a concept, or creative concept for a campaign, and they're really really great at sort of like slicing and dicing that out onto social right uh, and but building but building these you know the creative assets and the campaign and the messaging in a way that that works for every social channel um, but it's still sort of a, a really unified sort of campaign experience one of the things are you familiar with uh, with with Gary Vanderchuk uh, Gary uh, no he's okay he's this uh, he's this entrepreneur he's he's kind of prolific on social media um, he has, uh, oh man, this is really bad. Vayner, it's called Vayner Media, I believe. If I might be wrong, and someone might get mad at me, but they're <laughs> quite big. Um, anyways, he's he uh, he's he's written he's written he's literally written books on social media. Um, and one of the things he kind of talks about is sort of like extending the shelf life of content, whether it be you know a video, an article, an image, something like that, right. is is sort of being able to slice it and dice it, and that's something that. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you have a five-minute-long video, you know, maybe you can make it into, you know, five one-minute-long videos that you can then post on some other channels, or you can make a bunch of 30-second clips and post it on Instagram stories, or, you know, 10-second clips for that matter, actually. So if you can sort of extend the shelf life of your content and, you know, re rethink it and reshift it in sort of novel and entertaining ways, but... You know that still sort of keeps the message. I think that's that's a really great strategy, and Nike, and yeah, Nike just does a great job of that. So, yeah. So if if you guys don't follow Nike or one sort of one of the Nike sub brands, you know Nike running, Nike football, they yeah just just like check them out, give them a look. Uh, they they post stuff on their news feed, you know, pretty regularly, but it seems like their stories actually are a lot of the time what seems to be where a lot of the uh, production value kind of goes into, right. which is really interesting. And a lot of the time, it, it's really timely, too. And, you know, you know, the ti- timing on social media is, is so important, whether it be when you post something, like the time of day and the, and the day of the week or the month, um, you know, kind of depending on when people use the channel. But, for example, somewhere something like Nike, a company like Nike, where, you know, maybe they tie it into an event, you know, with, you know, the Olympics right. or, you know, NBA finals, something like that, whatever it is. Um, the NFL. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, or something else. I'm going to the NFL, like, you know, with Colin Kaepernick or whatever. Um, it's, it's, they, they time really well too. So it, it's, yeah, just, just really seamless. And I think they're, they always have been these sort of like gold standard, but, and that just sort of continues with social media. So yeah, really cool. Yeah. That's a good point, Colin. So we're going to call that part one, and we're going to save the rest for Friday. So be sure to tune back in Friday. Colin and I go into Patagonia and their social media presence, as well as Vice and everything they're up to. And then we also talk about what Colin is up to in Edmonton. So we'll talk to you then. Cheers. This episode was produced by myself, Josh Radistitz, and the team at UAMA Productions. If you like this episode, leave us a rating and share it with your friends. It helps everyone discover the show. Keep an eye out on UAMA's social or subscribe for our upcoming episode. Thank you.